If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Oh, yeah. What's going on, Jason? What up, Greg? Oh, man. We are so lucky. Yes, we are. To, to, so blessed. I shouldn't say lucky. Yeah, so don't say lucky. To Jeez. have a guitar player like <laughs> you, so that. we can just make a new intro every time we want one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Which uh, we did just uh, write some stuff last night, two, yep. or no, two nights ago, whenever that was, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the book uh, suggestions. Book suggestions. coming out. You guys are going to love this tune. Go check it out. Um, book suggestions. Well, maybe we'll review it on a different episode. Yeah, yeah. We got those coming out in September. Jason, how you doing, brother? Doing awesome, man. I am full of... Uh, Catfish right now. Had catfish. some fried catfish nice. for dinner, and I had way too much. Nice. Um, I should have stopped. 
before the third one. But, okay, so uh, if you nod off halfway through this, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was really good, man. I, I love your... catfish, man. So well, good. well, hey, you live next to a great lake. You gotta have. Some That's fish right. Well. You, you know, know it. I mean? Yeah. No, I'm doing good too, man. I'm happy to be back in studio. Uh, we've we want to get right to it because we got uh, special yeah. guests here tonight, and we love it when we have people on that we not only admire but we listen to. We agree with them. Uh, they inspire us, and we want our listeners to hear, oh, yeah. hear that kind of stuff too, because. You know, we want to bring value to you guys, and we want to bring people on the podcast that, um, you know, can speak biblically, that can encourage us, and all those things. Uh, tonight, we have uh, Zach and Desi, brother and sister duo of Provoked Podcast. Yeah. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. <laughs> What's going on? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. We have 200 people in this little studio. Yes, we that do. Was, they were all applauding you right there. <laughs> Put a they little reverb on us. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. But uh, we're going to get into a little bit more of what they do they're sitting in on our newsy news segment and guys feel free to jump in if you want to say something i might even put you on the spot but we're all podcasters here so you don't mind being on the spot might maybe even have you comment on it jason you want to do some newsy news? yeah let's do it let's get it here's our tom askell approved newsy news news the news the newsy newsy news the news the news the news the news the news news we got some news oh yeah we got some news that's right if any of you want to hire us for voiceovers we Jason could do it. I, we'll do it for you. We will. <laughs> and see now the news. <laughs> Go ahead. What's our first story, Jay? Uh-oh. Autry Pruitt. Um, only 28% of mm. black Americans, 18 mm-hmm. to 44 years old, are vaccinated in New York. Okay. That means that next month, when the vaccine passport law goes into effect, 72% of black Americans in New York will be denied service. What if you think I... voter ID is racist, you must also think vaccine passports are racist. Oh, no, not at yeah. all. Not from the progressive left. I mean, that's yeah. uh, vaccine passports are totally cool. Right. Exactly. And who cares if, uh, what was it? Only 28%. So that means 28% of black Americans, quick, 18 to 44. That? 62% are going to be denied. Yep. Uh, like services. That. Not to mention, you know, this isn't just a black white thing. It's every single yeah. American with constitutional rights being exactly. denied access to services because you don't get a jab. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's insane. It's true. What's the, I mean, have you been following the New York stuff at all? What the blowback has been on that? I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff online. It's been wild. Yeah. What, have you guys seen it out there in Arizona? Yeah. What's going on out there? Yeah. A little bit. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, this thing, this thing sucks. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Can't no, you can totally podcast. say that. Because <laughs> uh, just, you know, we're, we're pastors and uh, we're just trying to help our people navigate through this insanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, because so many jobs are in jeopardy, in jeopardy. And Desi can even speak to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we just, you know, the Dems, you know, like they said, they weaponize this thing for their own advantage yeah. uh, for their own power grab and it's it's coming to bite them in the butt oh you know, yeah this thing has some fallout like they're not giving believe like what you just mentioned there so mm-hmm. they definitely bit off more they can chew and unfortunately so many people are going to suffer for it so yeah, yeah it's just like that quote you know a generation that forgets history is doomed to repeat it yeah. i mean yeah. I, I really struggle with like <laughs> having my uh having my speech be seasoned with salt in this huh. area because right. man, yeah. I just want to be like, well, I'll just go back to school. What's wrong with you people? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I just want to say other things that are probably less gracious, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's frustrating for sure. And when you see people's jobs being threatened and uh, people being coerced and bullied into a, an experimental jabby jab, we don't want to say the word. We'll get, you know, right. 
suppressed, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's super frustrating. I accidentally used the know? R word already. I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> the R word. What was the R word? <laughs> oh, race. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What? Can't, can't talk about that. But no, it's so true. It's, yeah. it's so true. And then it's just so sad that we have such a hypocritical double standard. Yeah. And it seems, especially on the left, and believe me, I'm I'm involved in politics, so I understand the right has their double standards as well. But this is absolutely insane that you could you know preach about these voter ID and all this and you know oh mm-hmm. people of color can't get certain uh uh you know IDs which I think is racist on or at least prejudiced on yeah. its end and now they're saying that, you know 62% of of minorities not going to be able to, 72 yeah. uh, not going to be able to be you know, denied know. services because you don't have your papers in order, like right. uh, in Nazi Germany. Well, I'm glad right. I have uh, four <laughs> shots already, so I'm good to go. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Not I'm, enough. I just, <laughs> no, right. He's a little <laughs> dead man walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Literally. <laughs> so, Where's uh, the my body, my choice crowd? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the only thing right, we yeah. like over here is buckshot and bourbon shots. That's okay? right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go to the second one. Let's so, give him yeah, a yeah. This one. So this one's a little bit longer. This is from uh, Uncle Gary. Oh, he's been actually, on the podcast. Gary DeMar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had a a little bit of a comment response type situation. Okay. Um, so the following comment caught my attention. Uh, do you also blame the Roman Empire on the present day rush towards globalism, a global digital currency and a global government? How does Nero factor into what you are seeing with your own eyes today? I know you got a brand you're trying to protect, but the, that brand is as useless as a Weimar Deutschmark. So that's someone and talking to Gary. Someone speaking okay. to Gary. So here is Gary's response, which is his always stuff amazing. Always gets so much action. His <laughs> so, responses always get so yeah, much yeah. traction. So here's dude. Gary. I suggest you read Frank Gumerlock's book. I hope I said that right. The day and the hour for nearly two thousand years of fair, failed prophetic speculation. Mm. Where does the Bible talk about global digital currency, global government? The United States, the most powerful nation in the world, spent 20 years in Afghanistan with no success. Every attempt at a globalist empire has failed. Egypt, pyramids, Babylon, artifacts in the British Museum, Greece. My wife and I visited the, the empire's ruins in 2017. Remember the Roman Empire? Like Greece? Tourist attractions today, mm-hmm. Holy Roman Empire gone. The Third Reich, a distant memory. That's what that was supposed to be. The end right, before right. Hitler it was Mussolini, who was the Antichrist. The advance of communism. What's left? Cuba and North Korea. He just keeps going, sure, and sure, it's just sure. a great little response to what is going on right now that everybody's trying to use end times. Uh, eschatology sure. tactics because of vaccines, because of what's going on in Afghanistan, because of you it's know, crazy. Because the older the you get, the more times you live through that too. Yeah, like yeah. I, I grew, I was born in eighty one, so I grew up with my father, who to this day is still kind of a dispensationalist pre-tripper. Mm. Rapture's coming. Like when I was a little kid, he was like, "You hear those sirens go off for the nuclear war? Yeah, we're gonna meet in heaven. The rapture's <laughs> right. coming. Meet you, know? you in the sky. And it's, and it's like naked. From, <laughs> well, hold on now. <laughs> you won't, you won't have any clothes on because you're leaving them." Jason, you always got to make it weird when we talk about eschatology. Good Lord. Well, that's what they used to tell us. There's a lady present for crying out All the the clothes are going to be on the floor. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. So So anyway, naked. No, no, no. no, no, no. I just keep going. But my point is, is like your eschatology matters. When I was younger, uh, I I didn't even know what it was called. I didn't have a label for it, but I was like, is, are things really getting worse? Like, don't we just, since the apostles, hasn't it just been like Christ can return at any moment? There's been all this rise and fall through history. And I didn't know that I was leaning like kind of post mill, a mill without even knowing what 
it was as yeah. like a young teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just kind of see every time we see something happen in the world, it's like, watch out. Yeah. It's going to get worse. The tribulation's coming. And it's like, well, we know where Gary DeMar lands. He's very futurist and, mm. you know, not pre-mill or yeah, yeah, partial yeah. preterist and all that. So, so right. you know. Um, what what do you think, guys? Is is your eschatology important when it's look when you're looking at world events like this? Oh yeah, it's so funny <laughs> when laughing. Uncle Gary gets on like a, your Facebook post. That means yeah. you probably messed up. I know. I know. <laughs> he just right. has this ability. I was I was just looking at somebody else's who said something about you know what's going on in Afghanistan, and I was just super you know tons of posts. And then you look down in the middle, and he. <laughs> There he is. Yeah. He's contributing to it. And everybody's like, oh, that's exactly the way we should be looking at this. That's how <laughs> right. we should be thinking about this particular issue. So I appreciate the guy. Yeah. But yeah, I've um I've been a pastor in churches that were heavily dispensational um and 10 years ago about, and I kind of could see what that does, how it fleshes out in the right, life of the right. church. Mm. Because we're so concerned about, you know, get, getting raptured out of our clothes. That what we do is we neglect the generational outlook, and we also we also neglect evangelism. Hmm. And so what you, what you would see when that type of eschatological system, and I love, of course, we love our brothers and sisters who right. hold to that. This is a secondary issue. We don't have to divide, yada, yada. yada. We all understand that. Sure. But Jesus said wisdom is vindicated by its fruits. Hmm. And I think you can really see... Um, a genuine eschatological position. You, you you know if it's really biblically, it holds up in in you know of course biblically and under pressure in the life of the church. What is it doing to the people? Are they are they focusing on um, their kids? Are they focusing on discipleship? Are they building for the future? Are they going out? Are they being salt and light into the culture? But what I experienced in these uh, dispensational pre-mill type of environments where it was a it was really moved to the primary issue when i i bounced from the church and i actually bounced from my pastorate when the pastor said if you don't believe in the rapture you're not going to be raptured wow and so i said that is a false gospel absolutely you you now have moved eschatological convictions into the primary category you've added to the gospel we got to go which is the best decision of our life because we (laughs) went from there to apologia and of course we feel like we've come home to an amazing church but no you're right eschatology matters it's not a salvation issue but it's definitely a sanctification issue it's it's definitely going to have an effect on your uh productivity here as a christian and whether or not you're going to make an impact so yeah Yeah, and what what would be the you know I, i feel like what would be the motivator to pour into the next generation Oh, sure yeah because we're gonna leave that's what we heard hey it's we actually had a clock and I'm sorry if I'm taking too much time no, no. on the, no, on the pulpit. And they was like dialed up to 12 because we're going to go. And we had these prophecy conferences where people were like, Hey, if we're here by October, this is in 2015, there's going to be millions of people upset. And so, yeah, that type of focus can get so wacko. Yeah. And so, um, not to offend your listeners, I, we just believe it's doesn't have really good biblical background or biblical support there it, it sure. really has an effect on the people of god in mm-hmm. any local church that is kind of focused on it yeah oh great for sure amen all right let's yeah. bring it home with the last one yeah yeah so um this uh this will go into our topic for sure um uh but uh this is a note from missionaries in afghanistan okay. um at the moment we are praying desperately for friends on the ground in the house church movement in Afghanistan, where the Taliban are coming after all Christians. Their courage is immense. 
most expect to meet Jesus face-to-face in the next two weeks. It is a powerful reminder right now of what matters and making every opportunity count for eternity. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so I know Provoked have been covering this, and so is Cultish, those guys out there. Mm-hmm. You guys have really been making sure people are hearing about this, but that what a... What a Wow, does that make it real? Yeah. When you see in yeah. real time, yeah. when we're over here complaining about uh, our latte the and and the, the yeah. what the worship pastor wore, and you know if we even want to go to church because, uh-oh, we don't feel air quotes safe, and then you just have tweets coming, tweet after tweet, and then even people who are tweeting... Mm. They're finding where they're at and going and killing them. Right. So, so the word can be stopped, but they're tweeting, hey, look at, we expect to die within two weeks, all for Christ, all for the Lord, mm-hmm. all glory to him. And you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Like, yeah. what right. are we doing over here in fat, lazy Western Christianity? Man? Yeah, yeah. Y- you right. know? That's true. Yeah. 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 I think the scriptures say when the wicked rule, the people groan, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, of course, we don't need to get into uh, Trump and Biden and their differences and and, and that, but I think we can understand we do have a wicked ruler um, that's in charge of our nation and we're suffering the consequences of his decision-making. Um, and we don't necessarily get into the weeds when it comes to being in Afghanistan. I mean, I believe that we shouldn't have gone there, but I think uh, somebody put it well when he was talking about our departure, the quickness of the departure. It's almost like you have an 11 year old child and you just say, Hey, get out on the road, you know? Right. It's time for you to get yeah. out of the house. So I think there could have been a lot more preparation that went into, you know, uh, trying to value your neighbor, value life, you know, upon exiting or thinking about that heavenly before we exited the way we, we did. But anyway, you guys might think differently about that, but yeah. you know, God's sovereign and um, what God, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Scottish Covenanters that went through incredible persecution back in the 16th mm-hmm. century. Mm-hmm. It was so horrible and unjust what they went through, but God did use that to give us a picture of true Christianity and how to suffer well. So even though all of our brothers and sisters are suffering over there and we, you know, we wish we could go rescue them in a moment, God will not, uh, their death won't, their deaths won't be in vain. The Bible yeah. says God, yeah. uh, you know, he values the death and the blood of his martyrs. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, is that all we got there, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into uh, the meat of tonight's subject. But first, uh, can you tell us, Zach and Desi, can you tell us a little bit about Provoke Podcast and what it is about and, and what you guys are doing over there? I've been talking too much. You go ahead. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, Provoked, uh, our purpose is to um, preach the gospel and to destroy cultural idols and to rescue babies. That's kind of the, the gist of it. So we're just... We want to provoke the church to get out there and and to share the gospel, um, not only in the public square, but in their own in their own lives, the workplace, and their families, in their na- in their neighborhood, um, to go out and to be that salt and light, and to you know go out and rescue babies. Abortion is the the preeminent issue of our generation, and we believe that it should be of the utmost importance to go out and rescue these children. Um, yeah. Every day. Yeah. We just think, I mean, you look at the numbers and I know sometimes you're like, oh, where do these numbers come from? You know, but the stats are an incredibly low amount of people, uh, Christian professing Christians who have their theology somewhat in line, you know, mm-hmm. they, it's just a minuscule amount that actually shares the, the gospel that actually goes out. And by and large, you got 400,000 plus churches within the greater Amer- American evangelical church. And just people aren't sharing the gospel st- st- statistically mm-hmm. and yeah. they're not, being led by men who equip the, equip them or show them how to do it out in the 
out in the culture. So we want to not ever, we don't really want to act like a parachurch ministry that's out from under the accountability of the local church. We're all about the local church. We just want to use this to help provoke and stimulate our brothers and sisters to accurately share the gospel in their sphere of influence deal with, you know, the evils of our day. Like, of course, our good Christian heritage is done all throughout church history. Yeah. And defend the faith too. That's a huge focus of our podcast. Yeah. Awesome. So I've always found uh, when talking to other believers that actually going out, maybe like street witnessing, street preaching, those type of things uh, can be very uh, daunting to even a mature believer. They feel like uh, I might be put on the spot. I might be asked questions that I can't answer. Um, so from, from your perspective, what is the, what, what are some of the main things that, that one should do besides prayer and obviously meditation on the word of God and all those things? What are some practical things to where we have a listener right now that goes, yeah, I, I, I need to do more of that. I need to get out in my community and witness and preach the gospel. What are some practical things that they can do to uh, start preparing themselves for that? Go ahead first. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we got to know the, the true, like Schaefer would say the true truth, right? The true gospel. I think mm-hmm. that's number one. You know, the gospel has been adulterated in the, you know, the greater American, the greater American evangelical church. And unfortunately, people are in spiritual environments where they really don't know the true gospel. It's a truncated gospel. It's a gospel not about the kingdom. It's a gospel about what God can ultimately just do for you, you know, and it it's robbed of its essential components. Of course, the true gospel has indispensable components that need to be in there. Like, you know, of course, God is creator. God is holy. Uh, the sinfulness of man, judgment to come, the law of God, of course, bringing home uh, the sinfulness of man in the heart of the unbeliever as he hears the law of God, uh, the work of Christ, the response of the believer. So I think what we need to do is understand what the true gospel is before we can communicate that. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, and this is tough because people message us all the time and just say, hey, look, I don't have any type of leadership that is training me how to preach the gospel and they're not going out. And, and that's tough for so many people. And and the biggest problem out of all this, of course, and I'm a pastor, so I could say this, is you got to point at the pastors. We have to point at the pulpits. I mean, we really need men who are leading well and equipping their people and, you know, bullet catching leaders who go out and say, hey, look, this is what Jesus has commanded us to do, and I'm going to do it and not just tell you to do it, and I'm going to teach you how to do it. That's good. So for that person that's saying, hey, how can I do it? It's it's daunting. It, it will never not be daunting. I think what's amazing in a church where your pastors are teaching you and leading you, like I said, from the front lines, is that that mitigates the fear and people feel very much more comfortable to go out and they become equipped. And of course, I'm just using our church as an example and we're not the perfect church, but it's been so awesome to see our people grow and begin to preach the gospel because they're going out and they're being led and they're being shown by their leadership. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is how we obey the commands of Christ. So a lot more can be said, but I would just tell that person, know the true gospel, get out there Talk to your pastor about it in a loving and gracious way. We don't want to be bulls in china shops and go in and tell your pastor how wrong he is. That's just not a way to to win a person. So you want to respect your spiritual leadership. Tell him what the scriptures say and ask him if he can help you do that. Um, mm. Yeah, that's where I would start. Yeah, I would uh, just, just to add, I love what Ray Comfort said. He said, don't pray for less fear. Pray for more love. Mm. You know, mm, that should good. be our motivation. Yeah. Jason, you know that we love 
reformed Christian businesses, right? Yes, we do. And we love supporting them. Yes, absolutely. And we got a pretty cool one for you right now. Guys, you need to go to RighteousWretch.com. And why? Why should they go there? Because they have so much merch that is worth <laughs> spending that hard-earned money on. Yeah, they have some cool shirts, keychains, mugs, and it's all... Christmas ornaments. Christmas ornaments. They? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just so cool. I mean, they even have a John Kelvin, uh, the only election that mattered t-shirts that oh, actually I got banned it. from Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. That's so Anyone that gets banned from Facebook is friends of ours. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> and these shirts that they have, guys, they're so comfortable. They're like buy and try they're not that like cheap, stiff, kind of one-size-fits-all t-shirts. They're high quality. You feel good. You look good. Uh-huh. And some of the sayings and some of the stuff that they come up with are just really cool and really neat. Definitely. Great conversation starters, too, by the way. Yeah, and if you watch our YouTube videos, you'll see us wearing a couple of them. I yep. know I have the Sole Fida. You've got about 200 of I have, Yeah, I have five of them. Yeah, <laughs> I love those things. So it, It's probably just the five solas. <laughs> <laughs> got all five souls. So we're personal believers in them too. Look, yep. at, they're brothers in the Lord. They're trying to bring glory to God and they have a great company. Go to www.righteousretch.com and check out what they have. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I used to live in uh, Kansas City and in the middle of uh, a little area where there was about 10, 15 different bars, there was always a guy standing there in a, uh, a, a devil costume. And he had a sign and, you know, it was like, I, I think I was in a little bit different area in my life as well. I was pretty soft with uh, what I knew of the gospel at that time. I was not regenerated yet. I would, I would Mm -hmm. put myself in that situation, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I didn't ever um, go up to him and challenge him or anything like that. But I think I would say, I, I said a couple of things to my friends a couple of times, you know, like man, that guy doesn't understand, you know, what the gospel is all about. And I didn't even really know what he was, what his, what What he was actually saying, you know, right. And, uh, and I think my looking back on that, like, I I wish I would have been able to go into that situation and ask him and then be able to uh, tell my brothers and sisters that who, who I was with that I used to go to church with, even at that time. I mean, we, it was, it was such a crazy time in my life, I guess. I mean, it was more of the deconstruction uh, situation and the uh, universalism sure. and, and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that God redeemed me from that. And I, mm-hmm. have, re- I have repented and we're all good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but awesome. anyway, all, all that to say, I think whenever we hear about someone standing on the corner, oh, open air preaching, it all seems like legalism. It yeah. seems like the guy that's out there is just got the heart of stone and he's just talking down to you. And every time I see one of you guys' videos um, on YouTube, on yeah. Facebook, it looks like you guys actually care about the people that you're preaching to. Well, it doesn't look like it. I know you do care about the people that you're preaching to, and it's, right. just, it's just amazing to watch. I mean, have you guys... Uh, I mean, is there a, a challenging moment within, I mean, 50% of those, I mean, that we're not seeing, is there just a lot of, you know, you guys just standing there. Yeah. The pushback, or is there a lot of just, you guys just stand there preaching the gospel and there's not, not too many people that will stop and listen. I mean, like what's, what's the response usually like out on the street? I mean, I know I've heard about the uh, Hebrew Israelite that, uh, spit in Zach's mouth. 
But um, <laughs> unfortunately, I heard about that. But you know, like I mean, there's there's a lot of different situations that happen in those in those moments. So I, I guess all that to say, yeah, you just beat me yeah. for the longest question ever. Sorry, on the podcast. yeah, yeah, that no, no, awesome, no, dude. I, no, I had I'm to tracking. I had to go through all of it. I'm sorry, I had I had to go <laughs> through that yeah, whole yeah, situation. <laughs> no, you said a lot of good stuff, a okay. lot of important stuff. I think that's super relevant to yeah. this conversation we're having. And I think the first thing you said was. And I, I'm so glad you said it because you mm. said when you watch us out there that you see us speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you're talking about difficulty, and we can get into kind of external difficulties when it comes to the people, you know, mm. but the biggest thing is you got to keep yourself in check. You mm. know, we, we cannot uh, bring reproach to the name of Christ in the way that we communicate the gospel. We cannot not speak the truth in love. We have to be loving these people. Um, and that's tough because we do it a lot. I mean, we, um, I think we calculated how much evangelism we do. We're up in the thousands of hours per, per year. Wow. And it's sometimes you can get jaded and you're just, okay, it's time to go out to the mill. It's time to go to the strip club. It's time to go out and, and you kind of go through the motions when you really need to kind of war against that and make sure you're speaking to people, you're listening to people, you know, you're, you're looking at these people, not just as the masses, but people are, who are going to stand before a holy God mm-hmm. and you're communicating this in love, actually concerned about their souls. That's something that I beg God for every day. I don't want to just go out here again and just go through it because it's my job. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest mm. difficulty when it comes to external stuff. Yeah. You got people, you know, cussing you out and you know, flipping you off. The funniest thing when you're <laughs> for me is you're standing by, the abortion clinic and just a hundred year old Grammy like flips you the bird. <laughs> I cannot not laugh at that every time. Yeah. So yeah, you've got stuff like that and people spitting and that just comes with the territory. Um, maybe the difficult thing is when you have professing Christians coming out, you know, and saying yeah. you're doing, you're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. And in younger, you know, maybe nine, 10 years ago, I really was a little bit too, I guess you could say maybe combative. And, um, you know, now I kind of just say, well, if I'm doing it the wrong way, why don't you come stand next to me and I'll learn from you. Right. And they immediately backpedal <laughs> and say, well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I just want to come out here and tell you, you know, kind of be that armchair quarterback. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's just did, a did, lot of experiences of, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, did you, do you tell them Peter and Paul then did it the wrong way too? <laughs> yeah. I said that. I said, okay, let's open up our Bibles because Jesus did it. They told, you know, there, here's the biblical example of how we need to evangelize. And people would say, well, that's, that's prescriptive, not descriptive or descriptive. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> they we did go. it all throughout <laughs> Jesus's ministry, all throughout the book of Acts, Acts chapter, you know, two through four, through all the way down. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is because, oh, I know it. It's just because the way that they're spiritually reared in their house of faith, sure. and, uh, you know, the guys that they look at, it's it's not comfortable to get out there. The more that you do it, the, the blessing of, of going out regularly, the more you do it, the, the bolder God makes you. And the, and the, I guess the fear is mitigated with regularity and consistency. That's mm-hmm. just a blessing of being evangelistically active all the time. But yeah, it's tough. So hopefully that, that answered your question. Yeah, Pam. for sure. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So let's say we have someone out there listening. Once again, we'll, we'll play devil's advocate here. And they say, you know, I just feel like it can get into a shouting match, like you just said, Zach, uh, or it can get combative. Um, for you guys, what w- what's some advice you would give to on just being the most effective uh, when speaking to a non-believer or even uh, someone of a different religion, which we'll touch on that in a minute here too, um, when sharing Christ. Obviously, we're showing the fruits of the Spirit. We're keeping ourselves in check. Is it is is debate good? Is answer and question good? Is it just go up to them and start saying, hey, this is 
what what I believe and preach the gospel? Is it a question and answer? Like what what is effective when you're on? And I know all all, all things are different. You know, all situations are different. But what's been mm-hmm. the most effective way for someone who's listening right now that goes, yeah, I I, I need to start doing this, but I don't want to be out there, you know, being a clanging symbol. Right. I say, you know, prayer, prayer first, um, you know, leading into that, just preparing your heart um, and asking, like Zach said, you know, pleading with God for you to keep your motivations in the right place. Like, why am I out here? You know, is it to check this off my list of, you know, to do's this week? Or is it because I actually have love and concern for the lost? Because I know that without Christ, they're going to be separated from God forever. Like, what is my motivation to be out here today? And two, um, just staying in the word, uh, like scriptures say, like going to them with a heart of humility, like let's go and reason together, Mm. like the scriptures say, you know, and, and thinking upon your own salvation and what God has saved you from regularly. I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and be reminded of that so that, you know, we do come into any type of evangelism encounter with a heart of humility. And, you know, for us Calvinists, knowing it was the, <laughs> it was not of our doing at all, God sovereignly yeah. chose us, mm, not right. because of anything we've done. Um, and so I think just keeping those, uh, those theological truths in right. your mind and in your heart and really focusing on them and just, just that compassion, just that love and, um, right. you know, going back to the law to stop the mouth and yeah. remembering that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Yeah, totally. Um, just a couple of things that we could talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, love it. But love it. The, the greatest thing is, yeah, just our theological conviction is, you know, Calvinists, we can, we can sleep sweetly. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard, Mark Arthur's uh, The Theology of Sleep. You ever heard that one? I don't think it's a so. good one. It's okay. just about evangelism from, from a reformed perspective. Okay. And he's like, hey, we scatter the seed and we go to sleep because we can't cause the oh. seed to grow. Yeah. That's the work of God alone, yeah. salvifically, and you know, in honorgistically in the heart of a person. So we could just, hey, we spread the seed. We don't bring attention to ourselves. We're not out there saving people. You know, oh. we're out there preaching the true gospel. And that gospel is God's power unto salvation you know so that's the only way you're gonna have longevity if you're gonna only evangelize until you see people saved uh you're not gonna last long right yeah because yeah. that's up to yeah. god we just we we deliver the goods we spread the seed with the hearts like like desi just said so well with humility and passion and precision in what we're saying and uh, we wait and on the other side we'll see who god saves all for his glory i think so many times churches can get wrapped up in fruit quote unquote fruit and if we don't see fruit, well, we're not going to go preach the gospel when all it is, is it's trying to boast in itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just not the way that the scriptures ex- describe evangelism. We go out in first Corinthians chapter three, it says we're nothing in this whole transaction yeah. compared to God's salvific work in somebody. But we spread the seed, we share it in love, and then all glory is going to belong to God when he you know, brings his chosen to himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to different religions, and my sister said this so well in the past, I mean, we just go out with the gospel. You don't have to know everything you have to know about the Mormon religion. That is a vast, vast, <laughs> yeah. just abyss of information there. Yeah. With, and, and it comes to Joe's witnesses and Islam. Of course, it's good to have a working knowledge. So you, the person under, you know, knows what you're talking about. Um, you add in apologetics. I think Acts chapter 17 is where we got our name. So, 
Paul, he goes and he sees the city full of idols, right? And so yeah. he's provoked. Uh-huh. Of course, what because of what idolatry does to a nation, it's the premier sin. Anyway, don't want to get into there. Uh-huh. So what does he, he do? What does he do? He confronts that with the gospel. And so in the evangelistic process, there's presuppositional apologetics where you're tearing down uh, every lofty thought, right? Mm-hmm. You're answering the fool to according to his folly. You're letting him see the bankruptcy of his worldview. And then you're building upon it the gospel. So I would say, don't get so wrapped up in putting people in their place. We really have to check our hearts. Even presuppositional apologists can do this. It's all about just, you know, uh, the nitty gritty and uh, kind of semantics there of apologetics. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure along with that, we're building with a proper explanation of the gospel. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And just, I'll, I'll just tack onto that too. And I will lovingly say this to anyone listening, you know, we have a responsibility to have robust theology and to, and to understand and to have knowledge about things outside of our belief system. I, I really do believe that. I feel too sure. often that I've met Christians 20, 30, 40 years in the faith. And if it's not with inside their kind of what they've learned, you know, been taught or learned in the last 30 years in the pew, they have no idea how to witness to Jeho- Jehovah Witness or to Mormon, Seventh-day Advent, what's the difference? And I'm not saying we all have to be scholars, but we have to have some type of knowledge of that. Now, me naturally, I, I mean, I read atheists, I read Mormons, I re- you know, I read it all across the board. Me too. I would love for them to prove me wrong. Let's see it prove the Bible wrong. Now, I have a biblical reformed worldview, and I haven't read anything outside of the Bible that would that, that can contradict what I believe mm. the Bible says. And and I've right. done it. I've, I've I've read a lot of it. Not all. Yeah, bon- Bonson would be amen in you right now, man. <laughs> yeah. With everything you just said. But I, I, I would say too, though, just to not let that become because I've done it myself, where I'm like, I don't know enough. I, you know, right. I'm, I'm walking into this, and I, I have no idea what yeah. you know all about Mormon theology or whatever the case is. I remember um, a couple of years ago we had a protester that was coming out, and I ended up meeting her for coffee, and just, but she was one of those. Uh, people that just bullet you with questions and elephant hurling. Yeah. And so before I was going in to meet with her, pastor Jeff called to pray for me. And I said, Hey, I'm just, I'm just nervous that, you know, she's going to bullet me with all these, like, what about this Levitical code? You know, just where you're like your brain scrambling to try to answer all. And he said, just take her out at the feet, ask her why she believes what she believes, where is she getting, what's her foundation, right. you know, um, her epistemology, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's just getting to the the foundation of where are they getting their beliefs? And, you know, most of the time it's just oh, that's their, good. Own, most their the, idolatry. Yeah. 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 Especially within, you know, the Mormon world. Yeah. As Dr. White would say, Pastor James would say, is you have to teach Mormons their religion, yeah. you know, yeah. their own religion. So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You do have to have a working knowledge and it's, it is a sign of respect to the person to where yeah. you say, hey, I'm, I actually know what you believe. I don't know it all. And I'm going right. to be humble enough when maybe you ask me a question that I don't know the answer. I'll, I'll get back. What to do you, you think, that. though, about like Ray Comfort saying, because people have asked him that, too. And he's like, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, atheist, Satanist, doesn't really matter. They need the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You That's can, the balance of you it. Can That's go, the balance of it. Yeah. If you don't know all those things, which I think it is beneficial to know, like, look at all the fruit that has come from like. Dr. White and, you know, different apologists, but like when all else fails, you have the gospel and that's the power of God into salvation. Right. Exactly. God is doing a transaction there spiritually when you make 
when you answer the fool to his folly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why he commanded us according to his folly. That's why he commanded us to do it. God is doing something when you demolish all lofty thoughts mm -hmm. like, like Paul commanded us to do. But ultimately, if you are lacking the gospel and all of its essential components, if you're lacking that explanation, you're not evangelizing. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it. Right. So I would say, yeah, we need that knowledge. We need to uh, have that working knowledge like you had just said, brother. But if the gospel is absent, mm -hmm. there's no evangelism. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, Matthew 28, 8, or 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing mm -hmm. them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. teaching them to observe all right. that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Yeah, I, I think that there's some urgency to proclaiming the gospel as well, you know. Um, uh, and, and at times, uh, I, I hear about someone saying, yeah, been living next to a guy for about uh, five years. Well, you know, have you shared the gospel with him? No, no, just waiting for the right time. <laughs> right. Just waiting for the right time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's like, it's like there is some type of urgency there and, in, in, you know, some form of the, of the word, um, you know, but it, it's like, man, um, uh, you know, even in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Yeah. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I mean, there's, there's so many ways to, um, uh, to pick apart how to uh, share the gospel, you know, I think yeah. that uh, there there is just a, a reason to proclaim the gospel as well because of of what it's what it's done to each of us, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, and uh, yeah, I I just I just whenever I think about what has happened to my life since that time in Kansas City that I just described, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it, it's like I I. I can't keep my mouth shut. And at one time, I did do the stage cage. <laughs> You're still yeah, in the stage cage. Jason's I had, perpetually I had my in the cage. I am very strategic now about my words as much as I can be. <laughs> oh, no, I was but, there. And, and we laugh about it and joke about it. I yeah. mean, I, I talk, you know, I, I pray every day, kind of, uh, Zach, what you are saying too, like have compassion mm -hmm. and, and not make it a debate. Like understand yeah. why I'm out there talking to people. I had a gentleman... Uh, come to me and he kind of was giving me a compliment. He said, you know, you, man, you, it feels like you got your life together. You got a great wife, great kids, a great job, great business. What Jeez, you, who what was you, this guy? What are you doing? Puffing you up. Well, I was paying him to say those <laughs> oh, things you're in front of okay. other people. All right, just make sure. Um, and yeah. I said, oh, it's because I'm a horrible, wretched person. And he goes, yeah. what? And I was like, but I have a savior. So, awesome. so that's why. And it was yeah. like, it just new different ways to bring people in and yeah. say, hey, uh, I know who I am in juxtaposition of who a sovereign, yeah. holy, righteous, just, and wrathful God is. And that's what really set me on the path. Uh, you know, I've said many times on the podcast, uh, said the sinner's prayer at seven at my church, got saved at 24 when the Lord flipped me upside down, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and awesome. saved me and regenerated me. Yeah. So uh, th this is so important, this discussion we're having, because we do have to talk passionately about it. Mm -hmm. And Desi, like you were saying earlier, I wasn't trying to say you have to be a know-it-all either. I totally yeah. agree with what you're saying. If someone's listening right now and they say, I know who God is and I love him and I have passion and, and I know what he's done for me uh, and, I, and I need to tell that to other people, please go out and, yeah, and do that. Yeah, sometimes that's enough. And every, I would say, sure. every time. And I would so. say, like Zach said too, do it with, do it with accountability as well. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really big on these kind of rogue actors out there. Everyone's got a ministry nowadays, right? And they have no uh, accountability or, or no 
covering or anything like that. Hey, be, be under your pastor uh, mm-hmm. and, and go out and, and preach the good news. But yeah. I did want to switch gears real quick as we finish up here. Uh-huh. If I could just ask a quick question, just for my personal enjoyment. So anytime I talk to someone <laughs> and I tell them I'm reformed, uh, I get the robot uh, argument, right? That's the uh-huh. first thing I get. The second thing I get is why even evangelize then if God yeah. knows who's he's going to save and who he isn't. I said, well, why do you pray since God's, you know, knows everything, uh, mm-hmm. then don't even, you know, but what's the response you might give or outside of, well, we're commanded to, what's the response you would give when someone says, and I'm sure you've heard it. Well, you know, if you're, if you're Calvinist reformed, whatever, and you believe in all those things, why even evangelize? What's the point of it? Yeah. What, what would be something that you would give in a couple Couple paragraphs of response. I can start if you want. Yeah, you can start. I'll I just, can. Well, only easy one questions thing. for you guys here. Only easy questions. <laughs> <laughs> so solve that for us in 30 seconds and go. <laughs> well, one thing is it's not just about getting your ticket punched to heaven. It's about yeah. setting the captives free, right? Amen. If we believe in yeah. the severity of sin and that we're slaves to sin, we and we love our neighbor, we want to see them set free from sin, right? Um, so that would be my first answer to that. And then you can. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to that. Yeah. I mean, we could you know, go in so many different directions, but I think we are, our gospel proclamation from the people of God um, is the means to God's ends. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. he's saving his people and he's doing it through the vehicle of his people. Uh, you look throughout all scripture when God does anything, he mobilizes his own people. It's just a consistent method of him accomplishing his goals on earth. So it's staying true to how God does stuff in the Bible, but also, yeah, he uses the gospel proclamation as the catalyst or kind of the um, the medium or the mechanism of saving that soul that he's going to save. And it's a it's an incredible reality. And he does it. And Jesus said this too. He says, hey, look, I've included you in my master's business. Mm. So he commands us to do it. And of course, that's premier. We're commanded we show God our love by obedience to his commands. And he does it so we can enjoy in, in the victory of it and the and just the wonder of it being involved in God saving his people and bringing them to himself. Mm. But also we're all post-mill here. I think we're all post-mill. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's the, when we talk about things going from worse to better, or maybe better to worse to better, ultimately Jesus is going to put all of his enemies underneath his feet, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Ultimately we're going to see a massive, and I think we're even in the midst of it, just the spread of the gospel all throughout. Yeah the creation saving and regenerating and renewing and redeeming. And that is the church going out and preaching the gospel. So we're going to see this reality that God promises us in his word, first Corinthians 15, of course, all throughout the scriptures. If we're going to see this reality, we are going to see the people of God with their mouths open, declaring the gospel. That's how it's yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah. Because you're talking about a world taken over for Christ is a world taken over by the power of the gospel where mm. the scriptures say we'll cover the earth like the waters do the sea right so you're talking about pastors preaching the gospel teaching their people how to how to, how to te- preach the gospel you're talking about at that time before jesus comes again right and mm. wraps this thing up you will see in a, a global advancement of the gospel in in the church so why do we do it we do it because of that yeah. because yeah. that's the Amen. way 
uh, God's going to wrap all this up for his glory when he does it. So it's just so encouraging because yeah. I get now, you, you, I'm sure you guys are the same way. You're like, yeah. where are all the Christians? Why aren't people yeah. preaching yeah. the gospel? Why aren't yeah. we taking this seriously? Like right. you said, what's wrong before, with you people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was for you, Desi. We found <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, so we get on ourselves, but then we could just rest in the fact, no, we don't know how long it's going to take. Maybe like, you know, Uncle Gary says it's going to be uh, in the distant future, which mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be way in the distant future. But it's going to happen, and it's such an encouraging thought. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys don't evangelize like Joel Olstein here, like this. I just, I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to heaven. I just <laughs> think that only God can judge a person's heart. Oh, oh Joel! Do you have Joel. like a throw up? Uh, yeah, like- up <laughs> we, well, we got him on on Sunday. He's oh. he's going to be on on Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, we got Olstein on on Sunday. Yeah, to follow right up, you guys. On. But um, no, we joke around. We pray for him. Uh, yeah, but yeah. here's the thing: there's also a righteous anger that bubbles up in me when I talk. about about wolves and sheep and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like blaspheming the name of God, right? Like right. The, do not blaspheme the character of God. That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Do do not take my name in vain. All the character that's in principles and, and the holiness and righteousness and just don't go out there and say something that blasphemes that. And unfortunately, right. we have a lot of people in uh, leadership roles in this country that, that do that. So uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. only way I can't uh, stop from yelling about it is to to laugh a little bit <laughs> about it. So that's yeah. what we got to Yeah, it's scary, it. man. You think of Furtick and Osteen and, and yeah. all, a lot of them. Mm. I don't know how they sleep at night. Other than the fact that they can't be saved. I yeah. mean, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, educating you, like the scriptures say, mm-hmm. and then you do that stuff, you live that way, you speak that way, um, uh, you know, it's it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If I talked, if I had the opportunity to talk to one of those guys, I'd be, you know, as humble and as calm sure. and quiet and say, man, you are storing up for yourself wrath into the day of wrath. Like you can't even imagine what yeah. you're facing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want what, what's headed for these guys. I wouldn't want that on my worst enemy because yeah. you're talking about a judgment that is going to be meted out in a horrible way. So I'm praying for them. And, yeah. but yeah, you're right. We should have a righteous anger. You got to, you know, as the pastor said, you got to expose the wolves or they're going to eat all the sheep. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, and, and when and, I say that too, I just want everyone to know it's not like I'm excusing myself. Believe me, I live in holy fear for the things that I've done in my life that I will bow a knee before and, and, and lay before God and He will judge me on those things. So please, right. anytime we're talking about any one person, don't think we're excusing ourselves yeah. from that because Absolutely. I know the wretch right. that I was and mm-hmm. sometimes continue still to be. Uh, thank God for His grace and mercy. But um, yeah, absolutely. When it's when it's p- leaders in in a position of power like that and blaspheming the name of God, boy, is that uh, I don't know how we got on the subject, but it just that's scary. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to get into it, it but it, you yeah. know, but Jesus did it. He said, "You snakes, you vipers." Right. You know, yeah. so he he marked out the false teachers, mm-hmm. and it was all for you know the sheep. So you can get away from the bad guys and go to the good, go to the not the good ones, but the faithful ones. Right. Yeah. It makes me think of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Mm. And there's a part when he talks about, you know, it's just the mere pleasure of God that's holding us back from basically just going to hell yeah, at any, slipping right, into, right hell. In the, into hell at any second, you know, and yeah. it's just, it shows us what a merciful God mm. that merciful. we serve, that, mm. that he allows us for, for his glory, but that should also compel us to 
evangelize. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Amen. You know, and as yeah. Matthew Henry said, Christ is hated because sin is loved, and that's the big picture uh, that we're that, that we see. And I think uh, that you'd go to when you evangelize. When you guys do it too, you, you guys uh, talk talk about some really big issues too. Like like you were saying, Desi, before we get caught up in the minutia of point by point doctrine and theology, when in fact Pastor Jeff was telling you, well, just take it out at the knees. Like, why do you believe what you believe? Uh, where do you think that belief comes from? How do you mm-hmm. even think, you know, these big philosophical issues uh, really help to, uh, boil, to to kind of boil down to the smaller issues instead of starting with those smaller issues. Jason, sure. right. you got anything why we, uh, as we no, finish No, I here? think you said it all. <laughs> he says that <laughs> Sorry, Jason, I didn't let you, I didn't let you talk, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm your. Thank you guys for being on. We appreciate <laughs> oh, it. There you go. It's we an love you guys. Thank you. Yeah, no, we appreciate it, guys. Hey, throw, yeah. can you throw out social media and stuff like that for people listening so they can get a hold <laughs> of you guys? Or? I forget every time. Yeah, so. Instagram, Facebook, uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can also go to um, Apologia Studio, Apologia Studios YouTube and uh, Facebook. So, yeah, yeah, thank you guys for having us on. Yeah. And thanks for yeah. what you guys. Yeah, are you doing. guys are doing great. I love yeah. your show. Oh, awesome. thanks, thanks so man. much, guys. You guys. you guys are perfect for this. <laughs> yeah, keep doing it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, and as always, God bless. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.